Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. As we continue in our Lent series, Talk to Me, we are joined this week by the Reverend Doug Rary. Pastor Doug serves as our high school ministry leader, and this week we'll be preaching on the topic of daily bread. Thank you for listening. Uh, Father God, I just thank you so much uh, for this church. I thank you uh, for what you're doing here. I thank you that I get to be just a small part of it. Lord, I I thank you for uh, this night tonight and uh, for this time about prayer. I thank you, God, that you have made a way uh, that we get to to enter into your throne room. uh, That any time we want, God, we can't even get to to meet... uh, certain important people or, or have a visit with the president or uh, other people on this on this uh, planet. Sometimes we can't even get in to meet our boss, uh, but man, we can we can get to to have a visit with the creator of the universe. God, forgive us for neglecting that sometimes. So God, thank you for this time to be able to talk about prayer. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come upon us that you would fill this room with your presence, that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word, and then it would be your words that are spoken here tonight and not mine. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, hey, when I was young and uh, before I knew the Lord, I used to date a lot. And, uh, and, and there was always one conversation uh, with someone that I might be dating that I would really dread. It was the define the relationship conversation. You know what I'm talking about? It was the, uh, hey, are we, are we boyfriend, girlfriend? Or it was the, uh, you know, hey, when do I get to meet your parents? Or it was the, uh, where's this relationship going uh, kind of conversation that I used to really dread. But I got to tell you that when I met my wife, there was no question in my mind. The relationship was already defined in my eyes. I was going to marry that woman. I introduced her to everyone that I knew, and we were engaged after only four months. Now, worse yet... um, I got hired, my very first job, my very first gig as a pastor, and she was the pastor's daughter. So it was, it was quite scandalous uh, throughout the church that, you know, uh, the youth pastor was dating the pastor's daughter, and suddenly we were engaged, we were going to be getting married. But my question for you tonight is, I wonder, have you ever considered that perhaps Jesus wants to define his relationship with you? That Jesus might want to define his relationship with you. That he might be asking, hey, where's this thing going? Is this just a casual thing for you? Is this just a weekend thing or whenever you show up here at church? When do I get to meet your family? When do I get to meet your friends? What about your coworkers? What about your neighbors? Are you ever going to tell them about me? Are you ever going to introduce me to them? Do you want to have a great relationship with Jesus. You know, the secret to a healthy, great, fantastic relationship with Jesus is to develop a daily time with him. That's it. The secret to a great, fantastic relationship with Jesus is to develop a daily time with him. And that just makes good sense, doesn't it? 
I mean, if, if you were to ask a professional relationship counselor, or if you were to ask a, a, a pastor uh, who does premarital counseling, or if you were to get a really good book on relationships, you would find that the key to a successful relationship is, anyone want to shout it out? Communication. Thank you. The key to successful relationship is communication. And a daily time with God is just that. It's communication between you and God. And Jesus knew that. And that's why Jesus modeled that for us. In fact, in Luke 5, we see this in verse 16. As often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Jesus modeled this all the time, and we need to do it. You know, I find it really interesting that the disciples had been following Jesus around for quite some time. And they had seen and heard many, many things, right? They had, they had seen Jesus heal people. Uh, they had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They had, they had heard the amazing story of Jesus turning water into wine. They had seen Jesus calm the storms. But when it came time for the disciples to ask Jesus to teach them something, they didn't ask to learn how to do any of these things. They didn't ask Jesus to say, hey, teach us to heal people. Hey, teach us to, to raise someone from the dead. Right? A lot of the disciples were teens. They didn't ask Jesus, hey, teach us how to turn water into wine. Okay? They didn't ask to, to learn how to calm the storms. What did the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to do? They asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. This is how Jesus taught them to pray. We've been studying it over the weeks here. In Matthew 6, we find this example beginning in verse 6. But when you pray... Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Pray like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. The next phase of the Lord's Prayer that we're going to be looking at tonight. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus taught them to ask God for their daily bread. In other words, for what you need. Now it could be money. I mean, sometimes we even refer to money as bread or dough, right? It could be resources. It could be contacts. It could be people that you need in your life. A lot of us, we need community. It could be contracts. It could be maybe business needs. Anything that you need in your life that sustains you. The key is need, not necessarily want. I want to suggest to you that before you go out and buy something that you need, that maybe you ask God to give it to you first. Just give him a chance. Maybe even be bold. God, I don't have a way to get to work right now. Would you give me a new car? <laughs> not, maybe not a Mercedes, <laughs> but would you give me a way to get to work? He might say yes. 
He might say no. But if you don't ask for it, you might miss out on a blessing. You know, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Now, let me be really clear here. I'm not teaching any sort of prosperity gospel tonight. But I am saying that God wants to provide for your needs. In fact, the Bible says it gives him pleasure to provide for your needs. And sometimes our needs aren't even necessarily tangible needs. Maybe we need to ask God, God, I need strength to get through today. God, I need help with a, with a conflict that I've got to deal with today. God, I know someone in my life who's, who's really, really sick. And I just need some help getting through just one more day because I'm really hurting right now. God, will you help me with this meeting that's going to be really difficult for me today? Work is getting really hard. God, I need some wisdom for this big decision I've got going on today. Now, did did Jesus teach them, you know, give us our, our monthly bread? Did Jesus teach them, give us our weekly bread? No, he says, give us our daily bread. You see, God isn't really interested in giving you what you need next year. God isn't really interested in giving you what you need six months from now. Why? Because you wouldn't have to trust him. You wouldn't have to trust him as much as you would today. You wouldn't need the faith to know that he's going to provide for your needs. In fact, Jesus says we've got enough to worry about today alone, let alone tomorrow or six months from now or a year from now. In Matthew 6, Jesus says this, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Isn't that right? (laughs) Today's trouble is enough for today. My wife and I, we talk about some of the things that worry us. And sometimes we get down the road a little bit and worry about where it's going to lead us, and suddenly we have to stop ourselves and say, whoa, this problem is enough for today. Let's solve today's problem, and tomorrow's problem will come on its own. I wonder how many of you have just cried out to God, pleading with Him, but it doesn't seem like He's responding. And maybe you say, oh God, where where are you? Yet the Bible still promises that God hears and answers our prayers. In Luke 11, Jesus says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Let me tell you that when you pray, sometimes God will say, yes. Sometimes God will say, no. And sometimes God will say, not yet. So let's look at some of these answers and how they play out. What happens when God says no? Well, in the Bible, we read about events of righteous people whose prayers didn't seem to, I'll just say it this way, didn't seem to work. Right? David fasted and pleaded with God for the life of his sick son. But the little child died. 
in 2 Samuel 12. Job cried out to God in the midst of suffering. He cried, I cry out to you, O God, but you do not answer. In Job 30, verse 20. The Apostle Paul asked the Lord three times to remove the thorn in his flesh, and yet it remained in him. In 2 Corinthians 12. Jesus himself asked for the sacrifice of the cross to be taken from him, and it was not. In Luke 22, verse 42. You know, these were not rebels or idolaters or ungodly people. These were the righteous, in Jesus' case, the very Son of God. You know, when God says no, it's because what we are asking for is not in His will for us. Because we're asking for something that we might think is best for us, but God, who we know knows better, knows it's not the best thing for us. You know, my children often ask me for things, right? Kids ask for things all the time. And I like to think I I know what's best for them, or at least I know a little bit better than they do what might be good for them. I remember uh, with, I had my, my girls and we went to uh, one of those dollar stores, you know, because I just had to pick up a couple of things, didn't want to pay a lot of money for it. And we're in the dollar store and uh, unfortunately, I, I mean, of course they planned it out just right. What I needed had the toys right behind me, you know. And, uh, and, and one of my girls, you know, uh, saw this toy and she, she had grabbed it and she said, can I have this please? Can I have this please? And, and unfortunately she knew we were in the dollar store. And so her first words were, it's, it's only a dollar, you know? And I knew that it's only a dollar because it's going to break in five minutes. You know what I mean? But I also knew that that night we were going to Target. We were going to Target right after that. And what my little girl didn't know is that I already had in mind something fantastic I was going to buy for her. My wife will tell you all about it because she yells at me all the time for spoiling the girls and buying them things all the time. I just love to do it. And I had to tell her no. And we got in this big argument in the dollar store. And I didn't want to have to reveal to her that I had something better in mind for her. I had something better in store for her. That this cheap little thing was going to break. That there was something better down the road. In fact, I had half a mind to say that you don't get anything tonight. You know what I mean? It's frustrating. I knew something better for her was down the road. And I needed to tell her no. You know, the Bible says that God wants to be our provider, that it gives him pleasure. Parents, I think you could relate to this. You want to provide for your families. Dads, I think you can especially relate to this. There's something kind of specially hardwired within dads to provide. There's something in our gut That's why Jesus says this in Matthew 7. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? You know, sometimes, like a good parent, God's answer is no. God says what you're asking for is not what's best for you. Why? 
Because I know of something better. Well, so what then do we do with verses like these? Like in John 14. You can can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. You know, many people believe that if they just tack on in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer, that that they're going to get what they're praying for. Right? But that's not what Jesus meant when he said this. By saying, ask in my name, Jesus meant that in line with God's will. Let me describe it this way. Ask for anything that I am willing, that Jesus is willing, to stamp my name of approval on it. You know, sometimes here at the church, especially working with young people, I need to spend some money. And when I need to spend some money, I'd like to get that money back. And so I have to turn in an expense report. And who do I turn it into? I turn it into the boss. And the boss, right, John, you need to, you need to stamp your name of approval on it. I approve of this. I'm so thankful that he has a great background in youth ministry because i got to tell you, I buy some pretty weird stuff, okay? But it's like saying, yes, I approve of this, right? And so when we pray in Jesus' name, it's praying for God's will. I approve of this. What do we do about this verse then in John 15? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Well, in this verse, Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But there are two qualifiers. Number one, abide in him. Right? To have a close relationship with Jesus. In other words, to know him. Harrison Ford is one of my most favorite actors of all time. I love movies. I love Harrison Ford. I could tell you a whole lot of details about Harrison Ford. I could tell you a whole lot of details about Star Wars. I could tell you just about every single movie Harrison Ford has been in. I could tell you who he's been married to. I could tell you a lot about his kids. I could, I could get real weird with you about it, okay? But let me tell you something. I don't know Harrison Ford. And Harrison Ford certainly doesn't know me. Okay? To abide in Jesus is to know Him, to have a relationship with Him. Okay? So that's the first qualifier. The second qualifier is that His words abide in you. To know God's Word, the Bible. To read it, to study it, and to know it. So think about it. When we do these two things... We understand what God's will is for us. Now, we may not get it right all the time because we're still human, but we have a better understanding of what God's will is for us. So when we pray, we are much more likely to be praying for God's will in the first place. Does that make sense? So what happens when God says, not yet? Well, in Habakkuk chapter 2, it says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. How many of you complain to the Lord? I have. Then the Lord said to me, this vision is for a future time. It will be fulfilled. I love this part. If it seems slow in coming... Wait patiently, 
for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. The Bible says that sometimes God's answer is not yet, and we need to wait patiently. But he also promises that it will take place, that it won't be delayed any more than it than is necessary. Now, if you're like me, we hate to wait. We live in an instant society right now, don't we? You know, we could stream anything on TV. We could, we could get our movies instantly. I love Amazon. It only takes two days for something I bought. Get this. The Walmart and the Aldi grocery stores just started delivering to my house. Game changer. I don't have to wait. I don't have to go and, and, and wait in the store. It just gets delivered to my house. And I don't know about you, but uh, I'm a big fan of the Avengers movies. And that new Avengers movie is coming out in a few weeks. And man, I cannot wait. We're a society that is really, it's, it's really hard to wait anymore. I'm the worst of them. Patience is going out the window. But with God, we have to go through these waiting periods. It's part of being a disciple with God. We have to go through these waiting periods. Why? Because it teaches us to trust God. It teaches us that God's timing is perfect. It helps us to mature. And one thing that I've learned over time and through a lot of mistakes and a lot of impatience is that with God, waiting is never unproductive. With God, waiting is never unproductive. You see, when God says not yet, he isn't saying no And when you're in God's waiting room, you're not sitting there doing nothing. He has something in store for you in that waiting room as well. You see, children need to learn the difference between no and not yet, and so must we. Every Monday, my kids get to go and visit Grandma for a couple of hours. We homeschool, so Monday's great. They get to go and visit Grandma for a couple of hours. And I remember a couple of springs ago, uh, we were getting ready to, to go to Grandma's, and I go to, to hop in the van to drive the kids to Grandma's, and I see my daughter Kira. I got a picture of it. She, uh, she jumped in the driver's seat. Yeah. And she said, I'm driving, I'm driving to Grandma's today, right? <laughs> and you know what I had to say? I didn't, I didn't say no. I said, not yet. I said, not yet. Right? Because she wasn't old enough. Her legs weren't long enough. She certainly didn't understand the rules of the road because she's never driven before. I thought it was pretty clever of me to say, not yet. <laughs> Instead of, no, get in the back, you know. And so she can't wait. She's really looking forward to the day that she could drive. You can take that picture down, thanks. You know, sometimes God says, not yet, for the same reasons. Sometimes we may not be physically ready for what God, or or for what we're asking God for. Sometimes we're not physically ready for it. You know, it, it, it may not be in God's perfect timing just yet. Sometimes we're not spiritually mature enough to handle what we're asking God for. Uh, We may need to spend some more time in the Word. We may need to spend some more time in small groups. We may need to spend some more time walking with God and growing in maturity. We may not be spiritually mature enough for it yet. Sometimes we may not have enough experience, enough life experience yet. 
to handle what we're asking God for. We may need to live a little bit longer. We may, may need to grow in wisdom a little bit more. When God says not yet, he's not saying no. He's just saying not yet. So what happens when God says yes? You know, many years ago, I remember listening to one of my favorite pastors. Uh, I listen to podcasts when I drive. And I was listening to one of my favorite pastors, uh, and it was a sermon on stewardship. And he brought up something really interesting. He talked about something that he called reverse stewardship. And he said that if you're a good steward, or in other words, a good manager of the things that God has given you, then you use those things uh, for you know, God's kingdom, because God has given those things to you, and you recognize that you're just the manager of those things, and that ultimately God is the owner of those things. But that stewardship can also work in reverse. And he said, for example, you know, the manager or proprietor of a McDonald's isn't the owner. And if that McDonald's were to catch on fire and all of a sudden there's this major emergency, the manager or proprietor is going to call up the owner of the McDonald's and say, your McDonald's is on fire. (laughs) Say to the owner, help, I need help. And so this pastor was saying, if you are a good steward of the things that God has given you, when something goes wrong, you could call up the owner, you could call up God and say, hey, God. You know, the, the, the wheel on your car that you've given me has just fallen off. What do you want to do about it? <laughs> you know, I need your help. I don't, I don't have enough money in the bank. I need your help. Will you help me? And I, thought, I just thought that was really interesting. And so I, it was just a really interesting podcast sermon that I was listening to and I was driving. Well, no sooner was that podcast over than I started to hear the familiar metallic, like, like uh, grinding that goes on in your muffler and exhaust system when that's about to go. I've owned Honda Civics most of my entire life, and uh, there's this noise that goes on in most mufflers and exhaust systems in Honda Civics. Uh, I've replaced many of them, and it started to make that noise. I'm telling you, almost as soon as that podcast was over. And, and just with a sense of humor and with a great relationship with God, I said, Hey, God, um, sounds like the muffler in your car that you've given me is about to go. Um, I really, this was many, many years ago, I really don't have enough money to fix it. <laughs> um, what would you like to do about it, God? <laughs> can, can, can you help me? And, uh, and I thought that was kind of funny, but I did. I prayed that prayer with a little laugh and a chuckle, and I, I went home. Do you know that two days later, I got a phone call from a car dealership, and this car dealership uh, said, is this Doug Rary? And I said, yeah. And they said, your new car is ready to be picked up. And I said, what what are you talking about? And they said, yeah, your new car is ready to be picked up. And I said, I don't think you're the right person. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm even stumbling on my words right now as I'm talking to you. Somebody from a church, you know, this was many years ago, that I used to serve, bought me a brand new car. And um, 
I, I mean, it took me a long time to figure out how this had happened. And, and I, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. And I had, to, I had to go down and I had to pick up this car and I just couldn't believe it. And so I, I, I went and, and picked up this car and everything else. And um, as amazing as that story is, it took four or five weeks for me to remember that I prayed that prayer about that muffler. Can you believe that? It took four or five weeks for me to remember that I prayed that prayer about that muffler. And as soon as I remembered that, not only was I floored about that car, but I mean, I fell to my knees. Just, you know, because we're talking about a couple hundred bucks in the way that God had blessed me. And I had owned my other car. And so... the first person I could find that needed a car, someone that did not have a car to go from A to B. And I'm hoping, remember what I said earlier in my message, I'm hoping that person was praying for a way to get to work. I just gave them that car. I said, listen, I want to talk about it. I don't want to thank you. This, this is weird. I just want you to have my car. And so I gave them that, that car. You know what I'm saying? And, because I was floored what God had done. You know, here's the deal. We may be praying prayers, and God may be saying yes, but we might not be recognizing it. Because sometimes we may be praying, and God might be granting it, but we even forgot that we prayed about it. Because I do that all the time. That's why, that's why writing our prayers down can be so helpful. You know, sometimes God is working amongst us and we're just not in tune with His Holy Spirit and and we don't even notice. Can I give you an example straight out of the Bible? I think this is one of the most amazing events in the Bible. And when we read it, we see this really amazing spiritual experience, but we miss how funny... This this event truly is, and how the people involved just totally miss what God is doing. It's from Acts chapter 12. We'll have it up on the screen. I'm going to go through it pretty quick, but if, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Acts chapter 12, I'm going to begin right in verse 1. This is during the, the early church, okay? And this is it's a rough time for the early church. King Herod Agrippa is really persecuting the early church. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, that's John's brother James, okay, one of the first followers of Jesus, killed with a sword. So one of the the first leaders of the first Christian church is murdered, is killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. You guys remember Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard, catch this now, of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. So the church is praying for Peter. Now you can imagine what the church is probably praying about. You know, God, please help Peter. God, please release Peter. God, would you, would you give Herod some mercy? 
God, would, 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 would you let something just happen that we could have Peter back? I mean, we just lost James. Or even, God, where are you? What are you doing? I mean, how many times have we, we prayed those kind of prayers? So the church is praying for Peter. Now let's continue, verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. So he's asleep, and he's got a soldier on either side, okay? Others stood guard at the prison gate. I imagine maybe it's at the, the door here to the Wilson Hall that there's, there's more uh, soldiers right there standing guard. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. I really like this part. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. I imagine the angel had one of those, like, angel sticks, you know, and it just kind of, get up! You know what I mean? And it hit him in the side. And so, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. Now so far we think, oh man, that's pretty amazing. You know, what's happening? But it gets better. Verse 9. So Peter left the cell following the angel. Catch this. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. So Peter didn't believe that this was actually happening to him. Then he passed the first and the second guard posts, right? All the people that were guarding him and everything, you know, the the chains came off, the the guards didn't notice, he passes the first and the second, you know, the angel's hitting him with the stick and everything, you know, and he's running through, he thinks it's a vision, he doesn't believe it's actually happening. Okay, they passed the first and second guard posts, and he came through the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself like the force okay it's just open all by itself so they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him so it wasn't until all of this miraculous kind of stuff is over that we finally get to verse 11 where it says peter finally came to his senses it's really true he said he finally comes All this amazing stuff is going on. And then verse 11, it's finally true after everything's over. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Now, if you think that's a great story, just wait. (laughs) Verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark. Where many were what? Gathered for prayer. So it's where the church is praying for Peter. Because Peter is in jail. And they just lost James. And they're hoping that God's going to do something miraculous. That God's going to show up. That something great's going to happen. That Peter could come out of jail. That God's just going to answer their prayers. Give them their daily bread. Do something. Peter, please, you know... Would you give him him back to us? God, would you show up for us? So he goes to that home where they were gathered for prayer. Verse 13. He knocked, Peter knocked at the door in the gate. A servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. Poor Rhoda. You're going to find out. 
When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed that instead of opening the door for Peter, she runs back inside. (laughs) Instead of opening the door for Peter, she runs back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. (laughs) Listen to what they said in verse 15. You're out of your mind, they said. They don't believe it. They're praying for it. They're praying for it, and they don't believe it. You're out of your mind, they said. And then get this. When she insisted, they decided it must be an angel. So so they're, they're praying that Peter would be let out of jail or something would happen, and they insist that that's impossible. So God must have sent an angel rather than release Peter out of jail, right? You're out of your mind, Rhoda. You misheard. God must have sent an angel because there's no way that Peter's at the door. There's just no way. And then I love verse 16 as we come to a close here. Meanwhile, Peter continues knocking. It's Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Right. <laughs> when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Here's, here's the moment. So he motioned for them to quiet down. And he told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Isn't that an amazing story? It's an amazing story. When we read that story, we see how God had really showed up and done some amazing things. Right. But if you read it over and over and over again, you could see how the, how the people, they missed it. And so my encouragement to, to, to myself, honestly, my encouragement to myself, and maybe you'll receive some encouragement too, is that when we're praying, when we're asking God to give us our needs, to give us our daily bread, that we don't miss it. You get what I'm saying? That we don't miss it. Because God is always working to answer our prayers, but sometimes we don't recognize it. And when God says yes, sometimes, sometimes like, like me, for, for those many weeks, we don't, we don't even notice and we often forget to thank Him. Let me just leave you with this. Three practices, real quick. Three prayer practices. Number one, we've got to get in the habit of spending a daily time with God. If we want to have a great relationship with God, we've got to get in the habit of spending a daily time with God. And in addition to all we've learned so far on Wednesday nights, and what we're going to continue to learn on Wednesday nights, we've got to ask Him for our daily needs. Right? So we've got to get in the habit of spending a daily time with God. We've got to ask Him for our daily needs. Here's the second practice. We've got to get in the habit of thanking God for those answered prayers. That's why it's such a good habit to write those down. My mom has a really great habit of this. She keeps a prayer journal. And so she could flip back through and, and see, oh my goodness, God answered that prayer. I didn't even realize. And the third habit, we've we got to get in, into uh, to developing what I call a praise habit. A praise habit. And that's just praising God even for the smallest of things. We're just constantly praising God. We're in the habit of praising God. You run down to Chick-fil-A and that sandwich is just delicious. You just say, praise God. You know what I mean? You, you, uh, you, you, know, you, get, you get to have a nice nap 
and you don't normally get to have a nap. It's a Saturday maybe. You get a nice nap. You wake up from the nap. You just say, praise God. What a good nap. I love movies, and I don't get to go very often. When I go for a movie, I'm telling you the truth. I say grace when I go to a movie like one does for a meal. I do. I'm telling you the truth. And I say, God, thank you for the opportunity to go see a movie because I love doing this. This is my, my enjoyment time, you know? And i got to tell you something. God always reveals just a little bit of his truth in the movies I watch. Just a little something, you know? And I'm encouraged in the movie, right? We've got to get in a praise habit where we're always thanking God. So let's thank God now. God, I just thank you for this time together. It's just an honor to be here tonight. God, I thank you for this church and what you're doing, and I thank you uh, for these prayer groups that we get to be a part of. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue amongst us as we gather together for prayer. It's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.